So we're talking about tonight, and we've been talking about it today, so we've been preaching through our core values. So we've talked about a passion for Jesus, we've talked about a heart for the scriptures, a knowledge of the scriptures, and now we move into talking about community. And, and so tonight, my goal is to set this up in a way not to try to sell you on Summit, right? I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to sell you that Summit is the perfect community, okay, because we're not. And I'm not even trying to tell you or sell to you that Summit is the perfect community for you. My goal tonight is to tell all of us, to remind all of us of our desperate need for community. That we were indeed created for community and, and my favorite part today, right, because that changes, my favorite part today, that, that God has leveled the playing field. That God has leveled the playing field when it comes to community. Because there's this, there's this train of thought, right, there's this train of thought, and this happened, this happened long before a pandemic, right? I don't know if you guys have heard, but we've been in a pandemic for a little bit. Um, and, and, um, but, but, but this happened long before a pandemic. You had those groups of people, right, that found these churches that were doing what they called online church, right? Online church. And so they would just tune in on their phone or in their living room, in their kitchen, wherever it was most comfortable, right? Doing online church. And look, I'm not talking about where we've been over the past year because many people have been online and virtual out of necessity. I'm talking about the people five years ago, right, that said something like this. I don't need the church. I don't need to go to church because I have everything that I need right here. I have all the benefits of church without the obligation of getting dressed, without the obligation of seeing people, and without the risk that I might get hurt by those people, right? Or be affected by those people in any way, good, bad, or indifferent, right? And so we, we had this movement, we had this movement of people, and I, and I had conversations with tons of people that, 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 that said something to the effect of, I don't have to go to church anymore. Church is in my living room. In fact, in an article posted in 2014, Justin Bieber was asked some questions about his faith and about being part of a church. And he said this, a lot of people who are religious, I think they get lost. They go to church just to go to church. He goes on to say, I'm not trying to disrespect them, but for me, I focus more on praying and talking to him, I don't have to go to church, right? I don't have to go to church. Now, I agree with some of what the Beebs is, is mentioning here, okay? Um, I was asked this morning if I'm a believer. That's terrible. And no, the answer is no, I'm not. And I didn't even know that was a thing. And the person that asked me that should be ashamed of themselves to know that that was a thing, Ken Jones. But... Um, Many people, many people think and believe, leave that up there for a minute, Dylan, just like Justin Bieber, whether they want to admit it or not, right? When it comes to our view of the church, we've wrestled with the question, I love Jesus, but do I really need the church? It was even Gandhi that said, I love your Jesus, it's your Christians that I don't understand. He didn't know what to do with our Christians, 
And we've wrestled with this question and come to the conclusion, really, what's the need for church? If I can have all the benefits of church, if I can have music, if I can have preaching, if I can do all of these things outside and avoid all of the other stuff, there's no need for it. We find some who say that our relationship with Jesus is private, therefore they don't really need the church and the community that it provides. And the reasons that people give for this make a lot of sense. Christians are hypocritical. Uh, I've been hurt by leaders or other people in the church. The church doesn't really care about the things that I care about. Uh, the church gets too political or legalistic or judgmental, right? And we could probably go on and on and on. Others even say the church is valuable if there is some intrinsic value found or some personal need met. And still others say that the church is vital for growth as a disciple and for reaching those who are far from God. And I think we could all agree that the church has shifted over the years. And some of us are still trying to figure out what to do with this thing, right? We're still trying to figure out what to do with this thing. And I, and I agree, again, with, 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 with Justin, right, my boy Justin, um, I agree in the sense that some of us get lost in this whole thing, and we just go to it because we think it's the thing that we're supposed to do. But what I want to remind us of tonight of is this. It's the thing we're created to do. It's the thing we're created to do. You were created for this. You were created for this. Let me show you how. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God's creating, right? He's creating. Let's look at this together. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, now let's just point this out real quickly. Okay, let us make man in our image. Who's there? God. He's creating everything, right? But from the, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of existence, right, we saw the Trinity together in community modeling community for us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's who God's referring to. Let us make man in our image. Okay, I can't step up there because then I step out of the camera angle that's right there, okay? Let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every claim this creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Spiders, snakes, ticks. You insert it there, right? We have dominion. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, there's a movement. I want to address something real quick. This doesn't have a lot to do with what we're talking about tonight, but I feel like it's so necessary and needs to be said because it's getting questioned over and over and over again within the church especially if you've got young women, okay, you need to hear this, all right, or, or what have you. We, well, I, I think quite frankly, we like to avoid the mission and just find things to argue about in the church of Jesus Christ, okay, and that's why these things come up time and time again. It's like a cycle. It's a repetitive cycle, because I'm going to bring this up, and some of you are going to be like, yeah, we dealt with that like 30 years ago. I know, and it's back. Isn't that awesome? But now, and it just came out this past week, yet again, um, the role of women in the church. Now, I'm not preaching on the role of women in the church, 
tonight. But what's heartbreaking when the church talks about the role of women in the church is that the value of women gets lumped into the role of men and women, and women start to feel as though Scripture doesn't value them as much as it does men. And I want to tell you right now that that's a lie. That's a lie. And we see it right here in creation. Male and female. Y'all see that? He created them. And so while, while men and women may be, may be different when it comes to role, there's absolutely no difference when it comes to value. There's no difference when it comes to value. Okay? So teach that to your daughters. Right? I told Mackenzie this morning, the 815, she was sitting right back there. I was like, Mackenzie, I want you to hear this, girl. Because that's important. So, back to the message. When we go back to the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We bear the image of God. In our being, we bear the image of God. And so don't miss this. From this passage, we see that there's never been a time when God did not exist as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. From eternity past, existing in perfect relationship with one another. So we come to the conclusion then that to be created in the image of God is to be created for community. In other words, we can't truly bear the image of God apart from community. We can't truly bear the image of God, meaning we can't be who God created us to be outside of community. We can't truly bear the image of God apart from community. And then we look ahead, we see Genesis chapter 2 comes to a close. We see a glimpse of what this was supposed to look like. It says that, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's perfect community. Now, don't get your hopes up. We're not going there. Okay? That was meant to be funny. All right, Genesis 2, right? This is before, right? But we see in Genesis 2 the first crisis in Scripture. A lot of people look at Genesis 3 as the first crisis in Scripture, right? The apple and the tree and the serpent, right? But it was actually Genesis 2 when God looked at man and he was alone and God said, this isn't good. I will make a helper suitable for him, and he creates Eve, right? And then we see them in perfect community, living here in perfect community with God, with one another, naked and not ashamed. But then, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, and it not only fractures their relationship with God, but it fractures their relationship with one another. They immediately cover themselves. They hide from God. And they start blaming each other. They begin to love themselves more than anything else. Which is exactly what each and every one of us are hardwired to do. Love themselves more than anything else. But, and here's where 1 Peter comes in. The beauty of the gospel is that God sent Jesus not only to reconcile us back to him, but to create a new community. A new family that reflects his glory, his majesty, his worth, and that I pray we're sitting in tonight. And so then we fast forward thousands of years 
and come to 1 Peter, where he writes a letter to the church. We're going to look at verses 4 through 12. We're really going to focus on 9 through 12, but I want to, I want to set it up a little bit. And Peter says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now there's three things that, that, that Peter calls the body of Christ that I want us to point out and talk about their meaning tonight. And the first is this. We're a chosen race. We're a chosen race. Now, by using the word chosen, okay, by using the word chosen, Peter's reminding us that God is the one who initiated this relationship with us, and it's not based at all on merit. Again, we're on the same playing field, not something we deserved or earned. One author states this, what makes you a member of this new race is not your bloodlines and not your pedigree not your family, not your racial stock, God's people, a people being formed now based on God's choice, his unmerited favor, his unmerited love. He goes on to say, they're a band of natural enemies who love one another for the sake of Christ. And I love that. That gives us hope that Red Sox and Yankees fans can be in the kingdom of heaven together. Right? Bruins and Cavs. Anybody see the Bruins game last night? Oh, it was a heartbreaker, right? Bruins and Caps fans can be in the kingdom of heaven together. Right? North Carolina and Duke. Well, I don't know about that. Okay. I might be crossing a line. Right? No. But a band of natural enemies, right? A band of natural enemies who love one another for the sake of Christ. There's a misconception when we talk about community in the church. We all got to agree and have the same interests and preferences uh, about, about all types of music, right, food, you know, all these different things. And that's not so. We're together for the mission, right? We're together for the mission. If we're playing tug of war, right, I'm not going to stop pulling and tugging to make sure that Joe agrees with my agenda, right? I'm not going to say, hey, time out. I got to make sure... If I'm going to pull with this guy, i got to make sure that we're pulling, right, in the, in, 
you know, uh, uh, for the same reasons, or, or right, that we're the, the, the same fans or whatever. He's wearing Carolina blue, so that's a good sign, right? But, but I'm not going to pause and say, hey, you know, are you, you the type of person that should be pulling with me? I don't care at that point, right? If I'm pulling, are you pulling in the same direction as me? Or are you pulling against me, right? That's what matters. And, and so many of us get tripped up as this chosen race over things that don't matter in the kingdom of heaven. We're a chosen race. So you know what every one of us has in common? If we were to go around and hear testimonies, uh, uh, if, if, you're, if you're a believer in Christ tonight, and we were to go around and share testimonies of how you met Jesus, right? What you would not hear, what you would not hear is the testimony that said, I woke up one morning and felt like the church needed me. Felt like the kingdom of God needed me. And, and my gifts, and my talents, and my abilities, and my money, right? That I felt like the church had finally gotten to a place where they deserved me. You wouldn't hear that. What you would hear in common, the common thread that you would hear from each and every testimony that truly had a salvation experience and a salvation moment was a moment in time where we all, each and every one of us, recognized our brokenness and our need for God. Because He's the pursuer. He's the pursuer. A chosen race. And so the church... It's different than just people from different backgrounds coming together for an event. It's people opening up their lives together and living out the one another command of Scripture. The New Testament alone has 47 one another commands. Here's just a few. Be at peace with one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Bear with one another and forgive one another. Confess sins to one another. Through love, serve one another. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. And what's really beautiful is when these characteristics become the practice among people who normally wouldn't share life together. Who wouldn't normally share life together. We are a chosen race. And then... Peter says, you're a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Now for some of us, this might seem a little strange. But according to the New Testament, all Christians are considered priests. Right? You're considered priests. So when you walk into church tomorrow morning, I mean when you walk into work tomorrow morning, or when you go home tonight, you let your family know, you let your work know, I'm a priest. Right? I'm a priest. I've got a new title. My pastor told me this past weekend, I'm a priest, right? And this is beautiful for two reasons. The first is this. We see through Jesus that we have immediate access to God. We have immediate access to God. Because in the Old Testament, if the Old Test in the Old Testament, right, if the proctors wanted to make an appeal before God, they would have to go to priest Dan, right? And say, Dan, listen, you're about, you're up, man. 
right? You're going before God. You're going you're to do the ceremonial washings. And we, Asa, really needs a touch from God, right? And so the proctors are going to Dan on behalf of Asa because Dan is about to go before God and make appeal um, uh, uh, make an appeal on behalf of all of us, right? And so we're all rushing Dan, right, to give him our list because he's about to go to God on our behalf. That was the role of the priests in the Old Testament, right? Then Jesus comes, fulfills the debt of sin, and makes us all have immediate access to God. And so at the moment of your salvation, at the moment when you said yes to Jesus, right, you have the same level of access to God that I have. That whole thought pattern that, hey, pastor, I need you to pray for me because you got that special line of connection to God, that's not a thing. I have the same access to God that you have. Now, some people have the gift of prayer, right? Some people have the gift of prayer, and so they, they, you know, they, they pray and all of that, but that doesn't mean that they have any more access to God as you we all have the same access. And so that's, one of, that's the first beautiful thing that Jesus uh, uh, did for us here in being a royal priesthood. He satisfied the wrath of God by laying down his life as the perfect sacrifice. Second is to understand that the role of the priest in the Old Testament was to minister in the presence of God on behalf of the people. His role was not to bring God to the people, but to bring the people to God. The, the role of the priest was that in everything they did, point people to God. And this is exactly what we are called to do as a royal priesthood. We're called to pour out our lives as living sacrifices for the glory of God and the flourishing of others. Paul puts it to the church at Corinth that I will spend and be spent for the sake of your souls. That's a royal priesthood. That everything I do points others to the kingdom of heaven and to the glory of God. Everything we do points others to the kingdom of heaven and the glory of God. And so the essence of a royal priesthood is to be deeply involved in the world, seeking to care for and to minister both to other believers and to those who are far from God. So we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And then the third one is a holy nation. We are called to be a holy nation. Now, the word holy means to be set apart, distinct, right? Different. And so simultaneously, I want you to get this, right? I want you to get this. Simultaneously, we are called to be deeply involved, right? Royal priesthood, and yet distinct and set apart, holy nation. And so deeply involved, but set apart, Deeply involved, set apart, royal priesthood, holy nation. And so set apart and distinct means forming a new culture that has Jesus as its focus and allows the gospel to shape everything. And I pray, I told you this wasn't an appeal to Summit, but I pray that that is what Summit Community Church reflects on a daily basis. A people, a people with Jesus as its focus and allowing the gospel to shape everything. A people that has Jesus at the center and allowing the gospel to shape everything. Now, I, I, know, I know I sound like a broken record with this, 
But I really can't think of a better example for how this plays out. Right? I really can't think of a better example for how this plays out. Because, because people, like to, people, like to use, um, people like to use Scripture or the way that Jesus acted to justify their own feelings or opinions. Right? Well, like, 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 like if, for example, the person has a drinking problem. Well, Jesus went to bars. Right? Jesus was among sinners. Jesus turned water into wine. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't drive home at the end of the night. And so royal priesthood deeply involved, holy nations set apart. And so I want to talk you through something where I've experienced this over the last year. About 13 months ago, on a Monday, I called all of our deacons. And I said, hey, we're going to do a drive through Good Friday service, right? We're not allowed to gather, but we're going we're gonna to put Dylan in the back of a truck with his acoustic guitar and start singing some songs, and we're going to have people drive through our parking lot, right? And we're going to have communion. We're going to do different waves of people, right? So I need you to call the people on your list and let them know that Friday night we're going to do a drive through Good Friday service. The last deacon I talked to, the last deacon I talked to, oh, I wish I'd have called him first, said, Pastor, who am I to ask you this, but how is that going to look to people that are driving by if we're not supposed to be having gatherings for us to be in the parking lot gathering? And I wish I could told you, I wish I could tell you that I responded, yeah, you know what? That makes total sense. But I was frustrated. I, I, was, I was pretty upset, right? Because I, I wanted to do this thing, right? How is a pastor going to smell like a sheep? How's a shepherd supposed to smell like a sheep if he can't be around a sheep, right? So I don't care what those people driving by on 114 think, right? Like, we're going to do this, right? We're going to gather. Those were all the things going on in my mind. That was not the things that I voiced. Okay? And so I said to that deacon, you know what? You're right. We're not going to do a drive through Good Friday service. And I had to call every single one of those deacons and say, yeah, just kidding. We're not doing a Good Friday drive through service. It was a joke. April Fool's. Ha ha. Right? And, um, and we didn't. We did a virtual, we did online Good Friday service. It was awesome, it was great. But the Holy Spirit whispered something into my heart that day. And it was this. Travis, I want you to have a voice on the other side of this thing. And that's going to mean that you look different. And that's going to mean you do some different things. And have we gotten it right all the time? No. I, I, maybe, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that piece of it. Right? But on the other side of this thing, I want you to have a voice. And so you're going to look different. You're going to say some different things. You're going to do some different things than other people are going to do. And that's okay. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you the number of people over the past year that have called and said, why in the world are you doing what you're doing? It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Stick it to the government. I was told in the middle of Finney Lumber, one day. Show me that one in Scripture. 
that the authorities that are placed there by God, that we as the church are called to stick it to them. Anyway, I digress. That's when we made a commitment as a church leadership to say, you know what, we're going to follow the rules in this thing. And the rules right now, today, say those who are carrying out a worship service and all those who are in, inside and all that wearing a mask. So guess what we're doing? We're wearing a mask. Right? That's what we're doing. Why? Not because it's comfortable. Nothing that God ever calls us to, He intends for it to be comfortable or easy. But so that we can have a voice to those who don't know Him. Every person that called me and said, your mask is a hindrance to the gospel was a believer and I'm probably going to spend eternity in heaven with them. Right? But every person that's come and met Jesus over the past year because we created a safe environment and we followed the rules and we're obedient, right? Every person that's come in the last year has thanked us for creating the environment that we've created. And that's why I read Peter, right? And I look, I, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. You know what that tells me? We're not meant to belong here. We're not meant to be comfortable here. We're not meant to. We're not, somebody just got a text. We're not meant to be comfortable. It better be Jesus. Now I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. You know what that is? Which wage war against your soul? The comforts, the desires to go against the grain and to, and to go against the calling of God. To go against the calling of God. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Keep your conduct honorable. Keep your conduct honorable. Yesterday, I was in Springvale coaching a couple basketball games. They were intense. They were both one-point games. We lost by one point. We won by one point. And so you can imagine, right, if you're in the athletic world, that it was pretty intense in that gym, right? I mean, the last, the last few seconds dictated the outcome of the game in both games. And in the first game that we ended up losing by one point, I, I had... Some, some, some questions for the referees. Okay? Just some questions. Wondering whether or not they were watching the same game that I was watching. Right? Because there's only one game going on in the gym. But it sure didn't feel like they were watching the same game I was watching. Right? And, and so I just, I, you know, very loudly... Asked some questions, gave some stares, right? And just, and just, I didn't get a technical or anything. I didn't get thrown out of the game, okay? Don't, don't make it to be something that, uh, that it wasn't, okay? But, but I expressed my feelings. And I looked at the girls after the game, and I said, uh, hey, I, I got to go over, hey, good game, you know, we got to take, take a break, make sure you drink some water because we got another game in an hour, Right, so I gave him a little pep talk, and and then uh, and I said, y'all, 
y'all go ahead. I got to go have a conversation with the refs. And one of the girls looked at me and she said, why are you going to go talk to them? They're terrible. And I looked at her and I said, hey, we might not agree, but I owe that ref an All right. But I owe that ref an apology. And she's like, well, that's just crazy. And I said, hey, you know, he's, it's okay. And so I walked over and looked at the ref. And I said, hey, just want you guys to know I, I feel like I owe you guys an apology for the way I spoke to you. And uh, hope you'll forgive me. And they looked at me and they said, oh, that's, you're fine. You're fine. I said, hey, I just want to make sure that we have a good relationship because you're going to ref our game in an hour. And I just want to make sure I'm on your good side. Right? No, 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 no. But I felt like I owed them an apology. Right? Because I don't know where those guys came from. I don't know what kind of day they had before. I don't know, you know, I don't know what their faith status is, right? But I want to make sure that if they ever visit Summit Church, they don't look at me and say, oh yeah, that's that guy, right? Have the conduct among the outsiders that would glorify God and that we would have a voice to point them to Jesus. So this means three things for us tonight. Listen, we're created for community. And there's three kind of points of application, challenges that I want to give you as we close this thing down. And then I want to read a psalm over you. And the first one is this. Allow others to speak into your life to help us mature as believers. Because the reality is discipleship happens in relationship. Now, when we allow others to speak things into, into our life for the purpose of maturity, a couple things have to happen. If you're the speaker, right, I want to challenge you with two things. What I'm not doing is giving you permission to go and impart your opinion or your agenda over the person across the aisle. Okay? So two things I want you to ask yourself. Number one, is this from God? Is this from God, right? Is this something that God has placed on my heart for Tim, right? And if it's not, then that means it's me. And it's not worth sharing with Tim for the purpose of his maturity, right? Is it from God? Secondly, secondly, have I earned the right to say it? Have I earned the right in Tim's life to be trusted and to go and have a conversation about something that, that I see in his life, right? And if, and, and, and if the answer is no, then I might, need to, I might need to go have lunch a few times. I might need to build a relationship. I might need to ask, hey, Tim, can I ask a question that might, be, that might sound a little hard? Right? Can, can I ask a question? And just go there, right? And just go there. So that he knows I'm coming in love and I'm not coming trying to stomp all over his heart. Because we are the only army that shoots its wounded as the church of Jesus Christ in this whole thing that we're created for. Right? And we've got to cut it out. You like the full house reference, didn't you? That was good right there. Okay? All right? And listen, if, it's, if you can't go to that person and show them in Scripture what you're saying to them, then it's probably you and it's probably not God. Okay, it's probably you and it's probably not God. Just saying, I mean, I'm saying probably, right? But that's a good litmus test to say, mm, is this me or is this God, 
Secondly, oh, and before I move on, before I move on, if you're the person that's being, if you're the person, receive it. Receive it. Before you respond, like here's, here's what I've started saying. Hey, you know what? Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to pray about that. Because one thing I've come to realize is I can't please all y'all. You want the sermons longer. You want the sermons shorter. You want me to wear a mask. You don't want me to wear a mask. You want me to sit down. You want me to stand up. You want me to do topical. You want me to do verse by verse. Right? You want me to tell more stories. You want me to not tell as many stories. You want me to not be as funny, but you want me to be passionate. Right? I mean, I just, I just, so I've given up. Right? I've given up. And so if you come and you have a, 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 a what is it? Um, con, uh, constructive criticism of my preaching, I'm going to respond to you. Hey, thank you for having the boldness to share that with me. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. And that's me receiving it. That's not me being arrogant and writing you off. But that's me receiving it. And then I've got to go do business with God to figure out if that was God or Justin. Right? To figure out if that was God or Lois. Okay? So, secondly, but just receive it. Secondly, displaying a new community through living out the one another's of Scripture. Listen. Don't don't be like Bieber says we are. Don't just go to church to go to church. Ask yourself the question, am I at peace with the people in this room? Am I confessing sin to somebody else in this room? Do I consider the people in this room more important than, than myself? Am I bought into the mission? Are we pulling in the same direction? Right? Am I forgiving the people in this room? Right? All those one another's of Scripture. Are we a community that's living out the one another's of Scripture? And here's the reality of that. We can't judge that for the body of Christ as a whole. Right? We can't go to a church next Sunday and the pastor look at us and say, Hey, didn't you used to go to Summit? Why are you leaving Summit? Well, they're not living out the one another's of Scripture. You're not, you can't say that for me, right? The only person that you can answer that for is you. And so the question is, are you living out the one another's of Scripture in the context of the community that God's called, to, that, that God's called you to be a part of, right? That God's called you to be a part of. Lastly, through our community, bringing others into a deep and personal relationship with Jesus. And the reality of this is none of these three things we can do outside of community. None of them. We can't, we can't give and receive hard things outside of the context of community. We've got to be invested into each other to do that. We've got to be invested into each other to do that. I, I, I've, I've had people come to me over the years, right? I just don't have any friends. Well, when, when's the last time you tried to be a friend? Right? When was the last time you tried to be a friend to someone in our community? None of these can happen outside of the context of community. Through our community, bringing others into a deep and personal relationship with Jesus. He 
is what matters. He's the difference, right? He's the difference. And so when I talk to Bieber later tonight, does the church matter? It matters so much that Jesus laid his life down for it. A chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A holy nation. And there's not levels within the body of Christ. We place those there. As I was talking with Dylan on Thursday about where we're going with the message, he said, wow, sounds like you need to go to Psalm 103. I went back to my office. I read Psalm 103. And I just felt the Spirit tugging my heart that this is how we need to end. And so I'm going to kind of pray Psalm 103 over you. It's going to be on the screen if you want to see the words that I'm reading. But consider this a prayer over you tonight. The worship team is going to come and we'll close. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your mouth is renewed, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children. To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels. You mighty ones who do His word. Obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Will you pray with me? Before I pray, I just want to speak this over you. You are precious to God. You're precious to God. He created you and He gave you the gift and the design to be in relationship with others. In the context of community, 
to build up the body of Christ, the gift of His church, and to grow His kingdom. And my prayer tonight is that you would open your heart. That you would open your heart to the body of Christ. To church. To this gathering. Whatever you want to call it. Not necessarily some that you might be coming here, you might be visiting, right? But are you willing to embrace the design that God created you with? To be a chosen race that He pursued because He so desperately wants relationship with you. A royal priesthood that has access to Him and is called to bring Him to every person that we come in contact with. And a holy nation set apart by Him to do His will. It's out of obedience to God that we commit our lives to Him and to one another. Father, I pray God, I pray for whatever stands in the way. For whatever stands in the way of us. And giving our lives fully to your design for us. In the context of community, God, I pray for the hurts, for the fear. for the questions that God are valuable but, be, but may just not be able to be answered this side of heaven. God, I pray that you give us a peace in knowing that this is what we were designed for. And that God, you would give us a fire and a passion to be willing to begin a process with you of what it looks like to engage in the community that you've called us to. If not here, somewhere. God, help us to receive this message tonight. In Jesus' name.